Hello, everybody, and welcome to On the Front Lines of Collapse. I'm your host, Christopher David, joined with our co-host, Christopher Michael. Hey, everyone. This week, we've got the Davos crowd meeting in their palaces of privilege in Davos, Switzerland. We've got a whole list of Democrats and Republicans attending this corporate bash. The way that I like to think of it is all of these people are there um, planning the next 10, 15 years of our lives and how we need to reduce this and that. Uh, We need to not eat this or that and we need to comply with this or that. This is what really pisses me the fuck off. Mm. We've got elected politicians Mm. going over there, basically being summoned by the Davos cult Mm -hmm. to come over there and be told how things are going to go. That pisses me off. Why is a Republican or a Democrat flying all the way to the other side of the planet to go there and talk to them? What is the director of the FBI doing there? Mm -hmm. Why do we have the labor secretary there? Marty Walsh. Why are these people there? It's disgusting. It's because they are creating their own one world government. Exactly. And if people are somehow late to the party figuring this shit out, Mm -hmm. they're moving ahead very quickly with it. And it doesn't matter who you're going to vote in. Mm -hmm. They're going to go and be summoned and play their part with these assholes. Here's some of the questions that I have. So, for example, for Governor Kemp of Georgia, um, what is the child poverty rate in Georgia? That's a question that I have for him. Because I want to know why he's spending taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. Because he's not... He didn't fly commercial there. Exactly. And he didn't buy his tickets himself. And he, I don't know, took Southwest or some shit. They're taking taxpayer money to send him over there to rub elbows with the quote elites i call them parasites well they're telling they do. yeah they're telling him how to play the game and what to expect right they they go there they indoctrinate them into the the mindset that they want to create and convey so they're able to just like klaus schwab has said in the past penetrate cabinets I don't know why he said that because it's like they're literally willing to go over there, whatever this penetration is, because these people are more than happy to accommodate the WEF. Yeah, it's a it's bizarre, but I think it really comes to when you get to a certain level of being a politician or in the corporate world, you're looking for that next big thing, right? They have all the money in the world. That they big have all hit. The, yeah. They have all the power in the world. They need that little bit of serotonin. So they want to be part of something Absolutely. bigger. And this is what is given to them. This is what's bigger. We are going to be some something about being the future leaders, the future yeah, yeah. managers yeah. Um, of everything. So they're coming up with all these different plans. By this date, you're going to own nothing and be happy. Uh, what I talked about recently in my uh, last article, which was, are you paying attention? It was about just the general meeting in, in the WEF is top 1% own the same amount as the bottom 90%. Mm-hmm. They are not going to be happy and they are not going to stop until they own 100%. That's, that is the goal. And they've said that. 
Yeah, so let me just read you. Time Magazine recently interviewed Klaus, so unfortunately his heart is still pumping. Mm -hmm. But it says, I wouldn't relate it to only 2023. We are in a restructuring of the global economy. When you have a restructuring in a company, you write off the costs on your balance sheet. And shareholders are suffering and sometimes employees have to go. But when you have a restructuring of an economy, it bites into the purchasing power of the people. We should not look at the global economy with a crisis mindset and a short-term approach. We have to manage in a strategic way this transformation period, which may last three, four, five years and be socially very painful. I think that's where we're at. Yeah, that's a lot to unpack. But I think it's in so interesting that he's giving a timeline of what mm -hmm. to expect. Mm -hmm. And we know looking at the UN 2023 goals that are also align with the WEF, mm -hmm. it shows by 2030, a lot of shit's going to be already have happened. Mm -hmm. And that means that we are looking at what cyber attacks potentially that they're talking about. That's what. So last time they had you know, something like this, they were talking about pandemics and vaccines and the need mm -hmm. for yeah. global cooperation mm -hmm. and in the uh, healthtocracy, mm -hmm. I guess you could call it. So in the next two years, they're expecting large, they say, cyber attacks to happen. Mm -hmm. They're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're sitting there and you feel that little pain in your stomach, the cognitive dissonance, and you're going, ah, but that's just a conspiracy theory. They're not going to do it. They're going to do it. When we have the governor of Georgia, when we have Janet Yellen, we have Manchin, mm -hmm. we have the labor secretary, we have Democrats and Republicans from all corners of the country. Yeah. John Show Kerry was there. Correct. The, the um, CEOs of all the big vaccine companies. Yeah, Pfizer, thank Moderna. you. Thank you for saying that, because it, it really is. We live in a corporatocracy here. This whole idea that governments are somehow directing the people and the people have a voice is absolute bullshit. It is total bullshit. If you continue thinking that uh, your vote matters and that if we can just get the right person in the office that we whatever office that is going to be the one <laughs> right. that saves yeah. everything, that we're going to be perfectly fine. You're bullshitting yourself and it's, and it's you're you're the, going to be the one that has to deal with it. Look at the people of Georgia, mm -hmm. the the Republicans there. They got their right guy in. Yep. And guess what? That right guy was summoned and he's over in Davos. Yeah. So your voice doesn't matter. Wake the fuck up. It's so frustrating to see this type of bullshit happening, but this is where we're at. Mm -hmm. So we need to come to terms with that. It's not our fault. But we definitely need to be adapting quickly because these people have unlimited resources to make whatever they want happen. Yeah, which is the funniest thing to me because if, if they actually wanted to make some change and get some good PR for themselves, they would spend some of the money that they spend on themselves and actually solve some problems. For instance, homelessness. Mm-hmm. That is something that can be solved quite quickly. In San Francisco, there's um, some nonprofits that their job is to help alleviate the problem of homelessness. Some of the directors of that nonprofit make $225,000 a year. 
there's no incentive to fixing the problem no. when they are paid all of this Well, that's kind of the money. issue with global warming that David Collins talked about. Mm -hmm. When they're getting billions of dollars for a legitimate crisis or not, mm -hmm. it, it they got to they gotta find a boogeyman somewhere. Yep. So it's the sky's always got to be falling. And that's obviously what the WEF is using as kind of their smokescreen to have a corporate-dominated utopia mm -hmm. and i mean what is with this shareholder value all the time mm. this equity this inclusion that that's the that's the corporatocracy mm -hmm. and those are their dog whistles yeah so they say those things equity inclusion so if you say oh well, i disagree with what moderna is doing they're gonna go oh so you're racist mm -hmm. that's that's just their easy go-to yeah. gimmick yeah exactly to silence you and oppress you yeah one thing i just wanted to bring up is that so a couple of rebel news journalists are there at davos now they weren't invited they're not allowed to go into the different groups and breakout sessions but they have been finding the people on the street and asking them questions um so for example uh, Albert Borla, who's the CEO of Pfizer, he just looks horrible, first of all. Well, because he's demonic. Yeah. They ask him question after question. When did you know that the vaccines were ineffective? How long did you keep it secret for? And then they asked him, what do you think about when you're on your yacht? Mm -hmm. What do you think about when you're on your private Absolutely. jet? Absolutely. They don't answer any of the questions. Brian Kemp wasn't answering any of the questions. Tony Blair was there. They got him, weren't, wasn't answering any of the questions. And they also had John Kerry there. Now he's the special climate envoy of the government of the United States. Why aren't these people, why don't they just die? <laughs> he's like, what, in his 70s, 80s now? 80, I think, yeah. Good God. Yeah. And then, you know, as you look at pictures of Klaus Schwab, he looks like some old raggedy penis. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Greta Thunberg was also there today. Now, this is just off of her very hot recent staged climate protest where she was fake arrested by the German police. Mm -hmm. Give me a That's fucking right. break. That's right. These people, they are larping as the saviors of the world mm -hmm. when all they're doing, it's an echo chamber where they're there just slapping each other on the back and saying this is how we're gonna fix the world oh it's it's a complete circle jerk where they go there and feel good about themselves being like you said the saviors of the world mm -hmm. i mean time magazine even quoted klaus by saying the company is not just an economic unit it's a social organism wow how <laughs> profound oh my goodness yeah a company is a social organism huh mm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that's easily transferable to the rest of the world. Mm. And you've got, what, 8 billion people and all their own cares, needs, desires. And don't worry, this old guy from Europe is going to tell all of us how to live. And, and I think what it kind of goes into kind of breaching a new topic for us is that people are just not, they're one, they're not paying attention. And two, if they're remotely paying attention to things they're not actually doing anything to change their normal habits exactly and i wanted to talk to you about the whole education system and how parents are like moving at a glacial pace to deal or to at least challenge these incredibly demented mm -hmm. 
policies. Mm. They're writing letters to Dr. Phil. They're writing letters to the city council, the school boards, and so on. And it's like these people have gotten their orders mm. from the WEF years ago. Yeah, they've been doing this. You're late to the party, yeah. folks. Get your kids out of public schools yeah. and start figuring out ways to educate them, homeschool them, or work with other like-minded people in your area to have a place that your child can be safe and educated appropriately and not indoctrinated on how to give oral sex mm -hmm. or how to be taught by a drag queen mm -hmm. or that being white is the worst thing in the world. Yeah. They, and they, again, they've been doing this for years and I've said it just in conversations with us. I think I've said it in an article if you still have your kids in public school, mm -hmm. I am openly questioning your sanity. If you're listening to the podcast now and you have kids that are in public school, I'm questioning your sanity. And I want to ask you, what is more important than your child? Yeah. Because apparently there's a lot, you, you don't have enough time. You're too busy. You can't focus on that. If you're a single parent and mm -hmm. you're trying to make ends meet, understandable. Start talking with other people that, well, let's just be honest. Your child home alone is better equipped to take care of itself than leaving them in an indoctrination camp of abuse, mm -hmm. of derangement, and obviously instability at a public school. And, and just straight manipulation. Of course. It's disgusting how perverted these people are. And for teachers to sit there and not figure out, hey, I don't need to be a part of this and maybe start doing homeschooling mm -hmm. on their own mm -hmm. and helping out people that are like-minded. You know, This is why we're being railroaded and bulldozed over by these psychopaths in higher levels of the managerial and parasite classes. Because we, the people, are not getting off of our butts and being effective in our own lanes mm -hmm. to take care of these threats. Yeah, we're being kept dumb and ignorant, specifically because those people can't fight back. You cannot uh, create a strong, cogent argument of why something is wrong when you read at a sixth grade level. Yeah, exactly. So they are keeping them... In these infantile states, mm -hmm. which we've talked about before, um, not being able to really understand any kind of complex arguments. Recently, I was going over some things that were making me really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And writing for the book, for my Appalachia book, it was just really stressful to be talking about kids being abused at public schools. Mm -hmm the WEF coming up with their whack job plan of corporatocracy and domination. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to think about any more uncomfortable things. And as I was explaining this to you, you're like, that's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And then, you know, the light bulb went off like, Oh my God, that's exactly what that is because I just felt really uncomfortable with it. And I didn't want to discuss it internally or externally with anyone else. And what I realized with that was the importance that I need to identify what is me mm -hmm. and what is not me. So when we have the jackass Georgia governor going to Davos, that really pissed me off. Mm -hmm. I personally viewed that as being a traitor. Uh -huh. There's no reason under heaven that a governor of the United States needs to be anywhere else outside of his state. Absolutely. 
or the director of the FBI. Or any politician. There's Absolutely. no reason. We have an ambassador for a reason. Yeah. And that person can go speak on behalf of the American people. The politicians here are supposed to be speaking on behalf of their constituents, mm -hmm. which live in those states. I don't know anybody from West Virginia other than Joe Manchin that's been to Switzerland. Exactly. There's no reason for it. But so I didn't want to discuss any of these things. But, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I have to find out what's me and what's not me. And that's really been a huge help in reducing that stress. But then it also helps me to figure out, okay, what is me now? So then what can I be doing? What is my lane that I can influence? And that's grafting, that's writing about this sort of stuff, that's taking care of the chickens, that's getting the garden ready for this spring. Those are the things that I can start doing. And each one of those small things may seem insignificant or trivial, but they actually push back against these evil people. Yeah, so let's take a minute and just sit in the what's me and what's not me. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? What is me is being happy, finding joy in being outside, planting, writing about various topics, and working on my book right now. What is not me is the anxiety and that stress from getting worked up about the Georgia governor or any other representatives of the U.S. attending the Davos. And it's also everything that you can't control. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. When you start to understand that concept of what is me, what is not me, it really helps you to put things into perspective, especially when you start getting anxious. Mm -hmm. It does. And even when we have the neighbor's driving by being loud and obnoxious mm -hmm. because they have to go run drugs. That's not me. And being worked up about it or frustrated or annoyed isn't necessary. It's understandable, but I can't control it right. and I can't influence it. So I need to bring it back home and focus on things that I can. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good way to put it that it's not you. You can't control it. There's nothing you can do with it. And then bringing it back to what is you? What are you good at? Mm -hmm. What can you change? What kind of activities, skills, tools can you develop mm -hmm. that you can change certain things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why people make all these excuses up mm -hmm. on why they can't simplify their lives. I have no idea why you are telling yourself that you can't do any of these things when you have a host of evil people working day and night to further their tyrannical schemes against you. What are you doing that is so important that you can't stop for a moment and figure out constructive ways to adapt to this coming crisis? That's a good question because I was driving to an appointment the other day and uh, I was just observing. I, I, I found it actually really therapeutic to kind of look around me and see what people are doing and see their lawns and their gigantic houses. Some of the houses near us are gigantic. And just kind of thinking about when you start to understand that we are in a corporatocracy and... The parasitic elites are 
trying to actively destroy the way that we live because they are and that's what they're telling us and they're, our rights yep everything yeah. uh, they are trying to take the basic freedoms that i believe are god-given from us and i see people walking around acting absolutely normal as if nothing is happening and they are producing absolutely nothing mm -hmm. they just they're just leeches on the system mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the ways that people are uh, coming up with excuses of why they can't do this or that or why they can't simplify their lives? What do you think it is? Fortunately, they tell us there's two guys that have reached out to us and they're both gay mm. and Christian. And they say that we can do this sort of lifestyle but they're not able to mm -hmm. as if we didn't work a nine to five for years as if we didn't live in an apartment for years as well as we don't have the same constraints as anyone else does somehow it's different for us mm -hmm. that's bullshit it's yeah. not true we do have just as many constraints as everyone else does mm -hmm. and for this couple to say that they have to live in two worlds right well we don't no. There's little things that you can do at home every single day to make you more resilient. Mm -hmm. And that might be if you're moving or in an apartment and you don't have a house yet, you can still be planting things in, in planters or getting fruit trees and planting them in pots until you can find your ideal property. You can be learning how to sew. You can be learning how to make candles or can or anything like that. It's not this two world thing. We only have one life. Mm -hmm. So make the most of it while you still can. And considering that Klaus is telling us that they have three, maybe five years until the whole transformation is unfolding. Right. We don't have much time. We are out of time. Yes. I, I yeah. think that's how you look at it because it took us over two years to really set this property up. Yes, you exactly. Know, so if you haven't even found like a property you want mm -hmm. or you haven't even come to the understanding that any of this is happening, mm -hmm. um, that's a huge problem. And, and I think with the whole, them talking about the cyber attacks makes me incredibly nervous because it, it just shows that's something that they're thinking about. And it's such a vulnerable system because the majority of people's money, it's all digital. Whether you think it's cash or not, you can go to the ATM and get cash out. But everything that happens is digital, um, especially if you have like direct deposit. It's all just digital zeros and ones. Mm -hmm. So when they, if they cut that off, okay, and let's say they cut the internet off or something like that, how long do you think you can last with your resilience right now? Let's say it happens next week. How long do you think you can last? If your answer isn't more than a couple of weeks, you need to stop and reevaluate what you're doing. I want to go back to recently I made a post on our forum talking about stupid Americans. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be a place where people can write just about the absurd bullshit that Americans come up with. One of them being the excuses that we're talking about today. And on the interview that we had with Kunstler, there was a presumably a guy wrote in that we have it easy because we're gay mm -hmm. to build resilience and live off grid. He was saying that 
because of us being gay, we have more time to devote we to this type of lifestyle. We don't have children that were have to be like pulled apart to do other things with and so on. And this is kind of a really unique perspective on ex- the excuses people come up with. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, gay men are viewed as pansies. They're not able to do things like straight men and so on, all the stereotypes of that thing. So it was a very interesting alternative to the stereotypes that most people have concerning yeah. gay men. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have it so easy now to live off grid that straight people and especially straight couples don't have. And I just want to say to this person, have you ever been on YouTube? Because all the people that I watch on homesteading and building resilience are straight couples with plenty of children. And because they are so dedicated and have the work ethic they make this life possible. Mm-hmm. What is your take on that situation when they're making those kinds of excuses up? I think the the major part of it is they have an inner saboteur that uh, they're allowing to dictate what they think they can do or not do. It's all in their head, mm-hmm. right? So this person was saying that because of societal constraints of people trying to raise a family and continue the population. I mean, he was a bit odd with the way he was wording things, I think. For me, in the past, I would have gotten a little upset about it. I thought it was funny because it's just an, it's such an absurd argument to say that two people, just because they are a certain way, that they can just do this easier when, when he has no idea anything about our lives, about the easiness or the hardness of what we're doing. And then at the end, they went on to talk about how we need to all work together and form these communities. Right. Well, you know, we don't have those communities because people like you want to sit on the sidelines, snipe from a distance and knock it off your ass and build personal resilience. And alienate. Absolutely. And, and alienate. Because one of the things he said was, you know, what these guys are doing, while it is admirable. Mm, thank like, you. First of all, I don't need your admiration. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not interested. Because the rest of it is just bullshit. Um, so, yeah, this this person is just coming up with excuses. And they are using what we're doing um, to say that it's just easier for us. And I, I think the way uh, when, when you start uh, attacking someone for their sexuality when we don't fucking talk about it mm-hmm. it because it's not the most interesting thing about us. Mm-hmm. So we rarely bring it up. If ever we'll say partner, but that's it because it's not important. It's so not important, especially to living like this. Well, okay. Digging your own well, mm-hmm. raising your own animals, cutting firewood, building a house from scratch, installing solar panels. It's all going to be challenging no matter your race, your color, your education, your Mm backgrounds, or your sexual identity. Mm -hmm. Who gives a shit about that? It's going to be tough for everybody doing it. Mm -hmm. And so why not start taking steps to do it now? Because time is of the utmost importance right now. And we don't have a lot of it. Yeah. I would say the day you stop making the excuses and you decide, okay, do you know what? I'm going to go out there. Even if I fail spectacularly, which we have Mm -hmm. multiple times, very badly. We're very good at having problems. Yes. But our success comes from not coming up with excuses. Mm -hmm. Every day, 
Yes, it sucks to dig a well. We did it in July when it was no hot as balls outside, yeah. zero shade. Uh, we were dehydrated, even though you can keep drinking and drinking, but you're just sweating it right back out. It was miserable, but we needed that well. It just had to happen. Our stream was drying up. Excuses aren't going to dig it. No. They're not going to put the drywall up on the wall. Yeah. And then, so one thing that you've talked about, like, with excuses, and I think you, you've you talked about this when it comes to, like, planting food. You're coming up with all these excuses of why you can't plant this garden. Mm-hmm. And then when there are food shortages, you don't have food, and now you're going to go and try to blame someone else. That, and they're going to have excuses of why they didn't do it and why mm-hmm. they don't have food now. And it's never going to be the personal responsibility of that person. Right that is going to be in the crosshairs. Mm-hmm. So I w- since I uh, thank you for bringing that up with the responsibility, uh-huh. I see that as probably one of the biggest issues of Americans these days. We don't want to take responsibility for yeah. ourselves and for our lives, but we do want to take responsibility for things that we have no control over. So right. like we were talking about earlier, how I was getting worked up about the politicians going over there to Switzerland mm-hmm. I can't control that. So stop worrying about it. And right. guess what? That horrific couple that were basically sex trafficking their adopted children, the gay couple in Georgia, mm-hmm. those fucking pieces of shit, it, obviously that works me up. But it's not my fault that that happened. Right. But it is my fault that I'm not working to put a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking care of my animals and I'm not trying to feed myself. That's my responsibility. And I would say, at the end of the day, all of us, for the most part, are going to die by ourselves. We're going to be the last person there with ourselves. That's right. Don't you want to be proud of the accomplishments and what you've given, what you've given back to the world? Because as I was taking my drive the other day and I was watching people that are just doing mundane work, they're not paying attention to the the bigger issues. And again, I didn't stop and ask anyone, hey, do you know what peak oil is? Or do you understand that there's consumption issues or anything like that? So maybe some of them understand it. But by and large, it seems like most people are just not taking any responsibility. They're taking from the system mm-hmm. and they're not giving anything back. I just don't see how you can be proud of yourself at the end of the day. And what I think is people with the cognitive dissonance, they're just lulling themselves into this false sense of pride. Right. And I would say comfort as Mm -hmm. well, because when I was experiencing that cognitive dissonance about all these topics, I didn't want to face them Mm -hmm. and identify what's me and what is not. It was a comfort blanket to ignore it. Mm -hmm. And it felt good. And that was just for a few days of going through that. I can't imagine years of that, Mm -hmm. how thick that comfort blanket must be by that time that every single day you're working that nine to five, you're stuck in traffic for two hours each way. You're miserable with the assholes that you have to work with. Your boss is probably a narcissist. And for what? You know? And... It's easy to say that being where we are right now, but there was a lot of sacrifice to get to this point to yeah, make we, it happen. We did that. Yeah. You know, when when we lived in Maryland and I was working in D.C., 
I was traveling for uh, probably upwards of four hours a day. And that's just with traffic around Baltimore and D.C. And you were having to be around some really shitty people. Horrible narcissists. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And not just one. Yeah. But every single person up the chain of command was absolutely a narcissist. Yeah, and they were entrenched, so there's nothing you can do about it. If you've ever worked in the federal government, you'll know it is incredibly hard to fire a government employee. You have to have all... You can't just say, oh, you're fired, because they're they're almost like tenured professors at a certain point, right? So you have these people that are entrenched. So we've dealt with that. And for the people that say, well, it's easy for you, you don't have to <laughs> mm-hmm. do this or do that... We've been through it. We understand it. We had the foresight and the understanding to pull ourselves out of it. Absolutely. And that was even when we didn't know nearly as much stuff as we do now about the situation. Oh, right. And how things are unfolding. We, we just, we had that weird feeling, that cognitive dissonance that like something's up. We need to do something different. And the, the stress of the life that we were trying to, to put ourselves through mm-hmm. was just not worth it. You know, we going from making six figures to not making six figures, <laughs> mm-hmm. but being happier. Yeah. It's, it's a kind of a, a weird thing that if you were to approach someone that is, you know, making, let's say 120,000 a year and say, Hey, how would you like to make 35,000 a year or something like that? And you're going to be so much happier. And I just don't think they believe it. No, I mean, it's that comfort blanket again. That That's the number one reason why I think at this point it's that responsibility and that comfort blanket. Yeah. Those two things, I guess, that they want to keep the status quo going, even mm-hmm. though it is a very dysfunctional, broken system. And that dysfunction and brokenness is going to kill people. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're going with this because they talked about when I read that quote with Klaus, he knows and is completely fine with destroying the system and trying to rebuild it Mm -hmm. the way that he wants it to be. Yeah. Because they are narcissists because they, they are not thinking with the same level of cognitive understanding as people who have empathy and remorse. Absolutely. How do you think this is going to play out? Just a macro view of it. You see, they have a lot of money and they have a lot of power Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of people that are involved in politics that are part of their organization. So I think they are going to cause a lot of damage. They've already done it. Yeah. And I I think, um, especially if they do the cyber attacks, that's going to be catastrophic. And the majority of people are not going to have a quick enough adjustment reaction to be able to make it out in one piece. I'm wondering how violent the cyber attack will be. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be a whole system down type event? I don't see it personally that catastrophic because it it seems a bit absurd that they're going to completely annihilate the currency and, and try to do like a, a debt forgiveness, so to speak, mm. trying to wipe it out. And then, I mean, the nuclear power plants obviously are going to go down. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I don't I, really know. I kind of see them doing smaller attacks just to kind of see how people react to it. 
you know, what's the general consensus about it, how quick it is to fix it. Mm -hmm. And they're going to ramp those up and And, it's going to get, it's going to get worse and worse. And they're going to blame it on Russia, obviously, even though they came out and told us that, Hey, this is what's going to happen. That was one of the main conversational pieces uh, that they had this week was talking about cybersecurity. Uh huh. Then I think because, like we said, these people are narcissists and they're psychopaths. I'm hopeful that their hubris is just what brings down the whole system. Mm-hmm. And I understand the gravity of that statement to say that you hope that they bring down the entire system, but we're in a really bad way, folks. Mm-hmm. And it is every institution in this country is evil, no matter like the Christian uh, church. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely evil, and we clearly discussed that in prior episode. But, man, everything that I see is just downright evil, and it needs to go. And a lot of people are evil participants in that. When we can't discuss where our food comes from or where our clothing comes from, that's a major problem, that mm-hmm. we're not even accepting the fact that animals are horrifically abused. Mm-hmm. They're bludgeoned to death. They are mutilated. They are kicked or stabbed by farm workers. And we're told that that's supposed to be normal or something. What about all the children in the clothing industry? How they are basically slaves. Yeah. 97% of the clothes that people wear, clothes, shoes, hats, all of that, comes from outside of the United States. So only 3% is made here. Some of the major brands, and I'm talking about Aeropostale, Adidas, Disney, Forever 21, Gap, H&M, Nike, Urban Outfitters, they use sweatshops and they have been routinely listed as some of the worst companies for how they treat their employees in other countries. They're just like, as you were saying, they're treated no better than slaves. But, but but another thing, and, and along the same lines, and, and I know that I've talked about this before, but it's with the electric vehicles that 70% of the cobalt comes from the Democratic <laughs> Republic of the Congo. They are using children to do that. There are videos, widely distributed videos, of ch- children that are being forced to dig in the mud while it's raining mm-hmm. to get the cobalt out. So anyone with your your Tesla, your hybrid vehicle, you should real, feel really good about yourself and morally superior that you are uh, benefiting on the backs of slaves. And if you can't understand the sarcasm in that statement, then you're stupid, period. Full stop. And just kind of wrap things up for this episode, I wanted to talk about the U.S. hitting the debt ceiling yesterday. Um, which is just bullshit. It's all theater. They're going to raise it. There's never been a ceiling. They just keep rising. Right. Um, they're paying something like $1.4 trillion on the interest of the debt that, that we are accumulating with all of these different social programs that they have to continue subsidizing, just filling with money. In fiscal year 2022, they sent... 111 billion dollars worth of uh, funds, equipment, all kinds of things to Ukraine for this proxy war because they're 
absolutely directly involved with the war. So what kind of pisses me off about this, and it's just something that I wanted to bring up towards the end here, is in America, we have 11.6 million children that are living in poverty. This means they have a lack of adequate or even enough nutrition, limited to no health care, housing insecurity, academic underachievement, behavior problems, and social and emotional issues because of this. Okay, so if you were to take that 11.6 million children, okay, and you take the $111 billion that was sent to Ukraine, each child could have $9,500. That can buy them shoes, that can buy them clothes, that could help set up a garden at their house or even in their local community if they're able to pull some of that money together. So I don't want anyone ever fucking telling me that they're working on child poverty or other issues that are similar to that. I bring up the children because they're the most vulnerable citizens that we have. And they're the most predated on by the school systems and by these maniacs in charge. So if you tell me, oh, we're, we're working on it, we're really trying to get this down, Bullshit. If they wanted to do it, they could have done it by now. They have their own priorities. They made it over to Switzerland. They're working on that for decades. They're putting in unilateral agreements Mm -hmm. on how all of us are supposed to be living, not just in the United States, but everyone on the planet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, clearly they could work on women's rights. They could stop slavery or drug trafficking or child sex trafficking. But no... They have more important ideas. Yeah, it all benefits them. It's all from the corporatization. Mm-hmm. So, no, no, no. They are not trying to fix any of these issues. They are trying to placate the common man as much as possible until they own 100%. And then they're just going to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. No. I guess there's an argument can be made. They're already doing whatever they want, Mm -hmm. but they still have to be a little tentative because there's a lot more of us than there are of them. But when they fucking own everything, it is going to be completely different. And that's what you can see with this as you're going through the financials that they're money laundering over to Ukraine. Most of that money is coming back to the United States to help politicians and their corporate buddies. Yep. You know, personally, when I talk about government, it's synonymous with corporations mm-hmm. because that's who gets into these positions and they, they revolve back into their corporate positions and back and forth yep. in and out of D.C. I'm just wondering if are they trying they know that the U.S. debt is never going to be repaid. So right. are they just trying to make as much money as possible to then go and buy assets so that they have the remaining resources. Meanwhile, all of the real money is just siphoned out of the economy and out of the American people. Yeah, that's what that's what I think they're doing. I think they are using this time just like what Klaus was saying that, you know, three to five years, it's socially going to be very uncomfortable <laughs> for everyone is because they are strip mining the wealth mm-hmm. of everyone that is not in the one percent around the world until they have everything so this is a call to action to open your eyes and ears 
start looking around and being observant and understanding that they are not looking out for your best interest. Your local city council person or someone who's on a board of supervisors for your county or something like that, they're not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for their best interest. That's how it has been and that's how it always will be until the system completely shatters, which is inevitable and probably soon which would be the best case scenario and that's literally where we're at in the world where it actually is more advantageous for the human species Mm -hmm. to have a civilization such as ours collapse than to continue down this road and it didn't have to be this way yeah it's it's the it's the idea of that debt slavery um, that it, you know, if you're sitting there and you go, well, I got this nice house, mm, 30 year fixed mortgage. You don't own it. The bank does mm-hmm. same with cars, same with people's, even their phones they have on payment plans, um, for their $1,500, $2,000 phone. You don't own it. The banks own it and therefore they own you. So again, I'm just trying to get people to, to sit there and understand that there is a large amount of actual evil in the world and they are hell-bent on destroying your life. You can choose to take this message and say, fuck you guys, that's cool. I really don't care because we are taking care of ourselves here and trying to be as resilient as possible. Or you can sit there and go, do you know what? I do need to make some changes and I do need to have a deep pantry and I do need to figure out how to develop these other resilient skills because we are running out of time. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to our conversation. If you liked what you heard, feel free to check us out at newrevenantsociety.com where we have an open forum where people can discuss various things and post whatever they would like concerning building resilience. Till next time, friends.